1: No way, Jose.
0: Just a good... The following footage proves beyond any doubt that the tanks intentionally set the house on fire. It proves that the Branch Davidians were murdered. You can see that this tank has a gas jet on the front that shoots fire. You can also see the fire quite plainly. The tank goes into the house twice and each time as it backs out, the fire at the gas jet is plainly visible. We must all do more to recognize and look for the early warning signals that deeply troubled young people send.
2: Hey guys, Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find this on YouTube, all the major auto and rumble as well. That edit was put together by Laney, my my Twitter buddy. Uh I think that's gonna be kind of like the default uh intro from now on. I really dug it. Maybe switch up a few little minor things. Uh but obviously, depending on the episode, you guys know I bounce around with my edits, depending on the topic. Uh, this one, I didn't have anything that fit it. It's pretty, pretty niche uh, topic. I'm going to be talking about the pogroms today with Pete, but I'm sure a bunch of other jewelry will come up. but There's no way to avoid it, especially with some of today's news going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you guys want to get this content early because uh, this one right now for my patrons is going out roughly a week earlier than everybody else. Uh, if you want to get in on that, you gotta go patreon.com so No Way a 2020. The lowest level for that's two bucks. The highest level is my sponsors. I read them off every episode. I have Toad, my co-host in Tower Gang, at Targing Toad. I have at Abergate D's, then I have Kevin B. Clark, a full time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area, then at Z O V E R A C K, then also at underscore infinite zeal, then also Jacob Daniel, the Biblical Anarchy podcast. I just had an episode uh, come out that was, uh, I, I did appeared on his show, it just came out just recently. We did it like a month ago though. Uh, and I also have Tim Tuttle at Jolly on Klebold then at Stinky Sock 420. I really appreciate you guys. You guys keep me doing what I'm doing. Uh, but with that, let's get our guests in here. I'm looking forward to today's discussion. Hey, what's up, Pete? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> up, well, well, I, I'm having a whirlwind of a week. Uh, on the week that Jew Tunnels came out, I immediately went into a Tower Gang episode. Then yesterday I did an episode on the Finders Cult, which... Uh, Ties in heavily to a lot of the similar thematic elements. Uh, and then uh, now we're talking the pogrom. So it's coming, uh, coming around full circle. I guess this one doesn't connect as much, but I mean, it connects maybe more than we're comfortable with it connecting. <laughs> you
1: know, what's funny is um, Bird from Timeline Earth was telling me, he's like, you know, they've been digging those tunnels for decades. He said his dad um, was, when his dad worked for the MTA, every once in a while he'd be like, hearing noises What that what's going on and they'll just find that they're digging tunnels and uh you know i think the funniest thing was this week on twitter they were um you saw some people who were like oh you know the only reason this is getting any play is because of social media social media can just get these stories out there i mean these stories are ridiculous and you know anti-semites and white supremacists can just go and you know it's like Stories like this about Jewish people have been happening for 2,000 years before like social media. So um <laughs> i maybe you know there <laughs> maybe you can connect it some way,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of macro level, micro level. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I think it I think it may connect, which this is why I brought you on. Uh I wanted specifically talk about pogroms because I've just kind of recently just Really went on a rabbit hole cover, like specifically into the Israel stuff with all the stuff going on because I've always kind of like been sort of aware and knowledgeable just from like, you know, reading some foreign policy stuff here and there, but never really did like a dive specifically in Israel and I kind of took a little time to do that recently. I checked out Modern Maid's full series. I also read Sheldon Richmond's book and then, you know, kind of like other stuff as well. And it's, so it's like I kind of got a good idea of those like periods of time, like around the formation of Israel and then also kind of like some of the later stuff, you know, the, the, the 1967 and stuff like that. And but like the thing is that never really gets talked about, just kind of breezed over and almost just accepted as like, you just, yeah, just kind of take that is. What, like, it's before all that. Like, the further you peek into this, like, the Israel thing, it's like there's another layer, you know, for each time. And then you get back to the pogroms. And it's always, I feel like it's hand waved off as just like they killed a bunch of them because reasons. And, and so I, I've just, I've never really heard an answer that I found satisfactory to me. And, and don't get me wrong I'm sure people did die and there was stuff that like I, I don't I just I find anyone who's being reasonable to just find that like hand wavy away of a, then a bunch of people died like there's got to be some reasons it doesn't mean you have to agree with them but like why and, and so that's kind of what I brought you on here like w- what level of truth is to there uh, to there is this what are the motivations is it just a lot of fibs uh, what's going on here Pete <laughs>
1: well let me start out by saying that um you know when you start talking about about the jews people immediately jump to things like oh you're just jealous of their wealth things like that it's like well Asians actually make more money than they do and i'm not jealous of the asians so um yeah you know, in the united states they have high asians have a higher per capita and inco- have a higher average income so i mean that that's not it the fact is is that They're 2.4% of the population, and when you look around, they are overrepresented numerically at the head of everything. Um, I saw a video earlier today on Owen, Owen showed it, and it was Dennis Prager, who I usually don't agree with on anything, who basically said, if there's an ism, a Jew started it. He said, and he mentioned, he said communism, socialism, feminism, um, capitalism. He said the only ism they didn't start was nazism. And it's like, well, you know, if you look at the SS, <laughs> probably like 40% of the SS had Jewish <laughs> had Jewish blood. People don't want to talk about that, but yeah, it wasn't started as a as a Jewish movement. Um, but yeah, the the reason I've started going down the rabbit hole was they're very open about their history and there's a lot of history out there to find. And it's really interesting because it's about these people who are, who for centuries were very secretive. And then all of a sudden, when after the French revolution, when you started seeing democratization happen and basically people were like, so like Jews self-governed in um in Russia you'd have these you'd have these shtetls and you'd have Jewish elites and they would e- they would even tax their own people they were like in charge of the other things and after the french revolution a lot started um liberalizing and you started having the Jewish elites who would punish Jews for reading outside of Jewish, um, they started going and started to um, learn about other things and they started to come out into the world. And so basically in Russia, if you look at like the, to just give a little bit, I, mean, I can go way deep on Russian <laughs> history and you you can go back. Um, Solzhenitsyn's 200 years together, which this is a, a Samistat edition that's not officially released in English, but um, one of one of my mentors on uh, Russian Jewish history reads Russian, so he's read it in the original Russian, and you you find out that they <laughs> they did some pretty terrible things. To they were there were stretches of time where they didn't have to pay any taxes, and the reason they would lobby to not pay taxes is so that they had. They could tax their own people more, and take that money and keep it amongst themselves. Um, they were given the run of making alcohol, and what a lot of people don't really realize about the Russian people up until you know really a couple centuries ago is they were backwards. They were very they were naive too, and Solzhenitsyn makes the argument that they that, that the Jews really did a good job of manipulating them into. Buying alcohol and you know really underpricing it, giving it away for free at first, things like that, um, and then they would do things like they would ask the czar, "Oh, can we have land?" And they would give them land, and they would give them equipment to till the land. And instead of working the land, they would lease the land out, and they would sell the equipment, and it just basically, and they would lend money at usury, but they wouldn't lend, they wouldn't charge usury to their own people. So there was a lot of resentment, uh, but really coming out of the eighteen, once you get into the 1800s, they become like the heads of commerce. I mean, by the time the, by by the time 1900 rolls around, if I think it says that there were 600,000 members of the merchant class in, in Russia and 345,000 of them were Jewish and the population of russia was 4 Four uh, jewish russia was 4%. so i mean almost half of the co- people in commerce or more than half of the people in commerce are jewish and they're only 4%. so it's like well, they're doing really well. you know so um before I, get, before I even get any further into this, just some of the... Everybody wants to know, what, what are your sources for this? Um, Solzhenitsyn's 200 Years Together, like I said. Um, there's one, um, a Russian, Ole Plotnov, wrote Myths and truths about the pogroms. Andrew Joyce's book, Myth and the Russian Pogroms. R. Weinberg Visualizing programs. I mean, I have a, a full bibliography here that people can check out. Um, but really what you i think what most people know is is they if you talk to them about russian history they know 1917 they know the october revolution they know when the bolsheviks took over but they don't know most people don't know that they tried to do that in 1905 trotsky was there real name bronstein um the the overwhelming majority of these revolutionaries were jewish so you know Official history says that, like in the in the late 19th century to the First World War, the Jews and Western Russians were targeted by the Black Hundreds. The Black Hundreds were like ultra nationalist pro czar, and um, they would do everything they could to keep the keep the monarchy going and to stop encroaching democracy and even Marxism and socialism from getting in. And they say that they and the government committed these pogroms. One thing you have to understand when you're when you're looking at the word programs is it's just a word that's made up to ma- so that basically attacking Jews is different than attacking everyone else. Mm-hmm. There's no you can't think the of a word that like the Brits have for if you just attack them. Mm-hmm. And the Jews did this so that they created this word so that their any attack on them could be seen as special.
2: So, so- with pogroms, I guess we could almost, uh, you could probably consider it a, essentially ethnic cleansing from a region in some form or fashion, whether that's killing or driving them from the land. Uh, is, it sounds like kind of what's being implied, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, we have people now today with the Palestine stuff pointing that out, you know, and it's like, it still doesn't quite have that punch as like this, the pogroms, which is like almost like this we have our own word thing, uh, you know, you, kind of like they, they have a... Well, like even with the Holocaust, that's sort of true. People refer to things as Holocaust, so it doesn't technically own the term. But, I mean, generally speaking... So is that is that what you're kind of getting at? The, the, the pogrom, I guess, probably a good way to define it would essentially be ethnic cleansing of of Jews from some area? Uh, which, don't get me wrong, I, I get generally, depending on the... I mean, I don't know, like I'm sure can, there's different circumstances. I generally wouldn't support that. But it, the idea that we should look at this as some oh, my God, compared to other, you know, world occurrences. Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: Yeah, it's um, basically it's would be considered ethnic cleansing. But more often than not, it means murder. So by um, these riots that were happening um, in the early, very early 20th century, um, you would academics would say millions and millions are being killed. You know, they didn't use a specific number yet, but well, I mean, they did a couple of times, but not for this specifically. Um, mm. But basically what the story is that Jews are targeted for no reason. And the violence was instigated by the czar because the czar just had a blind hatred of Jews. Um, I mean, that's common um, historical claim whenever Jews are concerned. But really, there's a lot of there's a lot of there aren't a lot of facts in that. Um, yeah, west, Western like, even, Russia.
2: Even with the Palestine thing, like I can come up with a reason I don't agree with it, but the um, idea that we're for some reason with the Jew thing, we're supposed to just go, nope, no reason, made no 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 coherent reason at all. <laughs> like even if it is just some goofy, uh, you know, I know they thought some of them witchcraft or whatever the hell, uh, it's still okay. Why do we like always skirt around this? But sorry, go on, I cut you off.
1: No, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's. It, I'm going to show you, I'll show you that the playbook hasn't changed. I have, I'm not, I'm not autistic enough to have memorized everything. So I do have some notes. So, um, I mean, it's pretty uh,
2: cyclical with the Jews, if you you really, (laughs) but, um,
1: Western Russian violence at that time had a lot of common, a lot of things in common. Few Jews were killed. Jews were almost always the aggressors. And the Jews were far better armed than the local police in cities like Vilna, Stradiv, Odessa, Kiev. Um, like I said, they had been they are part of the merchant class there they're, they are gathering wealth. There are no gun laws in Russia. And considering that you have this growing Bolshevik uh, mindset, they're importing guns in. So. In most cities, the Jews were they could they were out they could outshoot the police. Um, so, one of the most important reasons for the creation of um, a myth to cover over the crimes of these leftist movements in Russia um, between 1905 and 1906, the Socialist Revolutionaries. And if you look this up on Wikipedia, you will if you start clicking on the names and you check their early lives, they're all <laughs> almost all Jews.
2: Don't even need to check it. (laughs) Yeah. Don't even. Yeah. Um,
1: So these people, they murdered in Western Russia, 15 governors and mayors, 267 security officials and 12 bishops of the Orthodox Catholic of the Russian Orthodox Church. Um, That's that, that was that was only one year and all those killed and injured by leftist terror between 1905 and 1907 more than 20,000 the the majority um Solzhenitsyn says the majority of these terrorists were Jews and the pogroms were basically the pogroms that you would see like the 1905 pogrom especially in Odessa and I I'll talk about that was just a cover story for their violence um Solzhenitsyn says in 200 years together, the pogroms began after the murder of Alexander II by Jewish revolutionaries. I mean, so he makes it clear that the he, he also makes it clear the initial Odessa pogrom. This is one that everyone talks about. I mean, it's in I've seen it in movies, in old Russian movies, silent movies, actually, where all of a sudden they're in Odessa and someone will just scream, kill the Jews. And then you just see them just murdering Jews and everything one Jew was killed. And then troops were sent in to stop the violence because it's a really important economic region. And they, need, they needed the economy to flow. And this was interrupting economics. Whenever these things started, and they were almost always started by Jews, and a lot of, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is, is that a lot of orthodox christians were killed by them they targeted them i can get more into that but um when you when you start looking at this you look at you're looking at property destruction um but after the after the tsar's murder you know not only were russians upset by that but it emboldened the revolutionaries so really what you saw in the odessa pogrom was jewish merchants and greek merchants because it was a heavily greek city as well basically turf war yeah and the czar sent people in to stop it and um greek merchants jewish competition were involved um count ignatia the interior minister is said to have ordered the stop of these uh to order is ordered to have they say Jewish historians say that he ordered these pogroms to happen. But what we but what we have from Solzhenitsyn is is that he he sent people in there to crush them, to stop them. 2000 arrested in Kiev alone when the anti-liberal hence anti-Jewish uprisings began. So when Jewish uprising, when uprisings against Jews did start, they, they stepped in there because they're like these are this is the commercial class. We can't have business interrupted. We can't have economics interrupted. Um, so, you know, Alexander the Third thought the treatment of peasant rioters was too lenient, and uh, violence in these westernized, wealthy regions um, was certainly not in the czar's interest. So, yeah, I mean, when you when you start looking at it, when you start digging deeper into it, you're like, okay, well, how could how could anybody believe this? I mean, in 1905, the United States sanctioned Russia because of the pogrom in Odessa, where one Jew was killed. Well, how does that happen? Well, other than Solzhenitsyn, people like Platonov and Claire, Andrew Joyce, um, you know, they all of them basically are responsible for popping the bubble on you know the myth there. And Joyce says um, basically that. He wrote this in 2012. He said, in the pages of the British Daily Telegraph, it was stated that these Russian atrocities are only the beginning. The Russian officials themselves countenance these barbarians. Around this time in continental Europe, Prussian Rabbi Yitzhak Ralph established himself as an intermediary between Eastern Jewry and the West. And according to Klier, one of his specialties was the spreading of sensationalized counts of mass rape. Does that sound familiar?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. other major sources of pogrom atrocity stories were in the new york times the london times and the jewish world in it would be the jewish world which furnished the majority of of these stories having sent a reporter to visit the areas that suffered pogroms. most of the other papers simply reprinted what the jewish world reporter sent them the atrocity stories carried um, by these newspapers provoked global outrage large-scale public protests in from uh, against Russia in Paris, Brussels, London, Vienna, even in Melbourne, Australia. However, it was in the United States that public in, uh, indignation reached its height. Historian Edward Judge states that the American public was spurred on by reports of brutal beatings, multiple rapes, dismemberments of, of corpses, senseless slaughter, painful suffering, and unbearable grief. Does that all sound like anything you've heard lately?
2: Yeah. Let's. Uh, I want to kind of bring it to the. I feel like you were tapping on the the root of the religious uh, question there, because uh, you're kind of getting at the fact that they they seem to have an issue with the Christians at that time. And I I don't know if maybe you were trying to kind of get into that because for one I find it silly that you know it's so it's such a bad thing to be an anti semite especially where when we're in this world where it's like. Now it's kind of like the Sam Harris's is kind of like the norm or whatever. And and you, I mean, you, I, I may have talked to you before. I'm an atheist, but I don't consider myself that brand at all. I'm like an agnostic atheist, but like, it is always weird. They're very quick to criticize Christianity and Islam, but Judaism for some reason always gets ignored. Uh, and and that and, and they're some of the first ones to run to for their cover whenever they are attacked and but then obviously then we have this weird identity game that gets played where it obfuscates whether we're talking about a religion or we're talking about a culture or we're talking about a race. But, I mean, to some extent, at its root, there's, it seems there's some sort of religion here. Is that what you're kind of getting at with the ire between them and Christianity, at least at that point in time? And I'm also, well, I, I guess a side question, I'm kind of curious about what their group identity was like at the time. Because I feel like the, the myth is that the 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 their identity kind of died and then they brought it back like around the creation of Israel but this is like right before it. So, but I, I guess those are two separate questions. But uh, right. <laughs> yeah. let me
1: do identity first because I was just reading Israel Shahak's Jewish uh Jewish century Jew, uh, Jewish religion, Jewish history the other day. He's a Jew. I mean, and the book was has like um blurbs from Noam Chomsky and um Gore Vidal on it. So, I mean, he was considered to be um Basically, what happened was after the French Revolution. I already talked a little bit about how now Jews basically they didn't have to stick to this strict religious. Um, they could go to the government and say we're being abused. And basically, Jews just decided they were going to abandon Judaism, but they the religious part of it they weren't going to. Um, some of them abandoned their identity as Jews, but they were going to. Um,
2: Claimed you know, identity for the, the go, liability shield. <laughs> go
1: and learn. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they were going to go out and learn things that they, I mean, they weren't allowed. The, the first, the first history book, um, the your, uh, first world history book written in Hebrew was written in 1802 and it denied the existence of North America. I mean, they they were so insular and so kept in a box. And this is something I was talking with my wife about the other day. I was saying maybe the reason why Jews became so obsessed with education was because it was suppressed for so many centuries. It was like, well, now we have the chance to go out and learn these things where now we're not just learning Kabbalah or Torah or, you know, the Talmud, things like that. And um, but so there was this. There was this time where right after the French Revolution, let's say, let's say 1800, where you had 50 years of a lot of Jews realizing a lot of Jewish leaders, Jewish elite realizing we're losing our people. And that's when Zionist writings started happening. To try to and, you know, I'm not this isn't a um, an original thought with me, but it's thought that that was to try to bring people back in. And another one of the reasons why you have these stories of those pogroms is to try to scare Jews into believing that they need their own homeland. Mm. So but that also doesn't there also is um, another mechanism there when it comes to Russia that um, has to do with Bolshevism that. takes it in another direction too so um and what was the other one about um
2: Uh, just kind of tapping on the religious question like were you getting at that the ire was derived from a religious thing because you've kind of already we've already got at a little bit here it is weird how this identity is so nebulous you know does not like it's not well defined uh and and how that's kind of over time they've still managed to keep this group identity while still being such a such a fucking blob of, of an identity. Like it's, it's, it's it's, it's almost a meaningless term. (laughs) Shahak
1: Shahak talks about how, um, a lot of Christians, because they were forced to, in some countries in order to get out under, um, well, a lot of Jews were forced to, in some countries in order to get out, um, from under the rabbi's iron fist, they would convert to Christianity. And, in countries like Spain, and I've done a lot of reading on the Spanish Civil War. Did a, did a little series on the Spanish Civil War last year too. Um, and when you look at the history of the Spanish Civil War, Spanish Civil War happened from 1936 to 1939. My study of it starts in 711 AD. I mean, that's where I think that that's where you, I think you have to start studying Spanish history in order to st- understand the Spanish Civil War, but. Basically, what happened? What happened in Spain was in 711 the Moors invaded Spain. There were already Jews there. Toledo was a huge uh, city, and if they captured Toledo, they basically had the country. And famously, and this is beyond doubt, Jews opened the gates of Toledo to let the Moors in and, and conquer the country. And basically, at that point, you had an 800-year fight to not only get get rid of the Moors, but also the Moors basically thank the Jews by giving them, um, basically, you know, like mayorships and governorships over provinces and things like that. Um, in a book called, uh, early medieval Jewish policy in Europe, talks about how Jews took a lot of Christians as slaves in Spain, forced them to be circumcised, forced them to become Christians, so, in 1492, you know, the year that everybody wants to concentrate on Columbus was the year that basically Ferdinand said, Jews either convert to Christianity, to Catholicism, or they have to leave the country and they kick they kick them out. Jews don't forget these things. they write mm-hmm. these things down, they teach everyone and you know what we're they they also talk about the inquisitions you know and i've done i've actually done a series on the inquisition that the inquisition is not what you think it was and especially in spain i I just concentrated on spain they don't forget these things so and then like Shahak shahak talks about in the talmud um which basically is the jewish teaching for the last 1800 years um they T- teach you to curse Jews, uh, to curse Christians every time you pray. If you pass by a Christian cemetery, you're supposed to spit on the ground and curse it. They don't have a great. Um, they, they look at Christians as persecutors over the centuries. Where you know, when I look at the persecution that they underwent, they underwent, yeah, they underwent persecution. But to me, I don't see the per- any different persecution than any other basically group that had ever been conquered um, underwent. So, but yeah, they really had a problem with Christians and especially in Russia, because the Bolshevik, that growing movement of Bolshevism was atheist, was, was all about the state, was all about materialism. So they would look at any, anybody who was, I mean, what was the first thing they did when they took over in 1917? They, they killed the anarchists. Because the anarchists wouldn't worship the state, even though the anarchists helped them take down, you know, take down the czar. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So <laughs> I I just the way I my interpretation of all of it is that they just um, they looked upon it was it was a couple different things. It was we have a chance to get back at them for for things that happened in the past. And also, you know, Christianity just is not. Going to be a part of our world after the revolution.
2: Hmm. I was trying to think of some other thoughts because the the religious thing is where I get lost. Because obviously I grew up, uh, you know, Christian. Uh, I, I, mean, I went to Christian school and everything, uh, but I obviously I didn't grow up a Jew, and I know they have some, some separate books. But like my understanding has always crudely been like, you know, they're the Bible, but without the New Testament, which I mean, I know you're religious, but I know that's where a lot of people get caught up with religious arguments being atheists is some of the stuff in the Old Testament. So it's like in a kind of simplified way of looking at it, like well, what the hell is a religion without the New Testament? Like, because, I mean, I'm actually one of the few atheists that I, like, if anything, I prefer a community of Christians. Like, I think, like, generally speaking, Christianity is probably, you know, ideal of all the major religions. Like, if someone wants to adopt the, you know, the colloquialized uh, idea of Christianity, I prefer that probably to Islam or or judaism but it's like i guess the idea for me has always been like what does that mean and like are we not allowed why are, why is it so bad to criticize it like what does it mean for religion that they didn't have the new testament i guess they have this other shit like i guess i'm kind of what i'm getting as like i guess kind of what your rough thoughts on judaism are like and kind of mm-hmm. your rough understanding because even when we like the little bits of time i've looked at it seems like the different sects of judaism almost seem to have more differences in it than some of the sects of christianity do and uh, although I think Christianity, you know, generally is pretty similar, but I'm sure from there, you know, from other people looking in, it might be just as confusing when you're trying to understand an entire belief system that has different fractals going off of that belief system. So, I, on just kind of your rough thoughts, I'm sure you've probably looked into it a little. <laughs> well,
1: sure. Um, after October seventh, I made the comment that Israel is mostly a um, is mostly populated with people who don't believe in God. And somebody corrected me and linked an article. I read the article more and basically they were saying that like 66% of of Jews in Israel believe in God. But what they were, it, they were cheating because like 33% were like, clearly we don't believe in anything. And it was like 20% who were actually like Jewish, who practiced Judaism. What's so special about hero bread, soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Um, The the rest of them between the 66 and the 20 were just people who were like, oh, I'm spiritual, you know, that kind of thing. So um, Judaism to me now, um, like, you know, when you do the early life checks, Mm -hmm. it's when you do an early life check on someone, it's it's very rare that they're religious. They'll usually it'll usually say that they were they were born into a Jewish family. But they're an atheist Jew. They're like a Sam Harris. They're like a God Sad. They're, they're not practicing Jews like Ben Shapiro says he he is. Yeah. What the funny thing about Shapiro, just as an aside, I know like six years ago when I could still stomach listening to him, I remember him saying, I don't cons- I I only consider someone a Jew if they practice the religion. Otherwise, they're not a Jew to me. And then when this happened, it's like, okay, well, I mean. Israel is basically Israel uses religion, uses the Bible and the promises uh, that were given to Abraham for politics. They don't use it as for religion. Um, so most of the people there don't even believe. And I think it just really showed where Shapiro's uh, loyalties lie. But what I think happened was, and this, I'll just make this really quick. I mean, and, and I'll take this from a, um, a more materialist kind of view. um <clears throat> you get christ is crucified jews are kicked out some of them leave in 70 AD um, some more leave at the bar kokba um revolt after they try to revolt again i think it's in 120 so 130 132 or something like that um And they start going other places. Um, There's all sorts of theories that go. Kazarian theory. I'm sure you've heard of that. If you read, (laughs) if you read Sheldon Richmond, then then you're familiar with it. I don't even like to get into that because it's just, who cares? It's just, it's, it it doesn't, it's not convincing anyone. Uh, It it just convinces. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun to talk about. That's about it. But they basically just give up on, they, they no longer can sacrifice. They don't have a temple. Um, but they have their Torah, which is all their laws. And all their laws are very restrictive on what they can do. So they've had this oral set of laws that have been in, they've been passing around for centuries. And they decide to write them down, and it becomes a Talmud. And basically, the Talmud is a combination of things from from people I, I know who studied the Talmud uh Talmud, I I don't know that I've talked to Talmudic scholar, but definitely enough people went to Yeshiva and studied it. They say it's a combination of like riddles, um, um, Kobayashi, Baru kind of um, situations, but also it's just a way of looking at God's law and getting around it. So just ridiculous, like um, on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any kind of work and everything so they hire like what they call shabbos goys to come in who are non-jews to turn lights on and off and to serve them food and things like that and i think over the centuries from what i can tell is they just these they the elites of judaism use the talmud to not only separate themselves and make themselves separate from the people of the world, Gentiles, the Goy, they use it to control their own people. And much like, you know, and a lot of people will be, as people have said to me recently, they're like, uh, people of Jewish descent are like, well, you know, most Jews don't even know what's in the Talmud. And I'm like, okay, that, that may be so. Most Americans don't even know what's in the cr- Constitution, yet they're inspired by it in some way. Yet they're influenced by it in some way, by the the rhetoric that's around them, by the way people act around them, and I think it's impossible for you know the Talmud is very anti-Christian. Um, it's very pro. It's very ethnocentric. I mean, it's it's more ethnocentric. I mean, what did what did Shahak say? Shahak said that um, national socialism was uh, Zionism for wimps. <laughs> I mean yeah. he, he's, he said the ethno the ethnocentrism of zionism and you know what came, what came out of if if you say it came out of the Talmud I, I have to say it did um that the the Nazis had nothing on them <laughs> so um yeah I just think it I think it was and I, and the Judaism that's practiced today like these people coming out of out of the ground i i i'm not even going to bother taking the time to learn what that is um but <laughs> it really yeah. i mean it's not the majority what what you can say is it's not the majority of jews yeah it's a very very small sect
2: mm-hmm. so
1: well I, actually um you know I, maybe people realize this but um um, a couple months ago or about a month ago when um, a certain new Argentinian president came to the United States, he actually went to that, um, went to that building to visit.
2: All right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, dude, I saw some videos of what I, I mean, I don't know how legit it is of what was the tunnels and it looked like it went to some sort of basement sy- uh, system. And I saw what looked like the tunnel and it looked like maybe a, a person could get through it, but not comfortably, which kind of makes me go, what's going in and out of these holes? Cause it kind of looks like it was like from almost like a drop shoot. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I
1: really, so, don't, yeah. wanna, I really yeah, I don't, don't want to, I really don't want to,
2: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but I, I mean, the one thing I know is as you, I don't know how this has never dawned on me before. Cause I kind of known some of the stuff about Judaism, you know, the, you know, all the different rules they have and stuff. It kind of sounds like the, one of the longest running MK ultra experiments I've ever heard of. If you think about it. Oh, it and think about how that th- there, there's no reason that wouldn't have generational effects, especially amongst a group that so, so much clings to their in group identity, even amongst the other ones, like especially Israel reinforce that where they want to get as, as vague as they can, unless it's in their own borders and they might get a little bit more restrict, restrictive with it. But if you're, you're a Jew, whatever you want to consider that outside the nation, we, you're one of us and, you know, support us, rah, rah, rah. Um, yeah, it just it kind of just sounds like a big old MK Ultra experiment. like a I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that do you have any thoughts of that because it is like you're highly regimenting a people and then also making them do mental backflips to figure out the way around the conditioning. Uh, it's I don't know something there, I think.
1: you wouldn't you wouldn't be the first person to say this. Um, episode episode nine ninety nine of my podcast is dropping tonight. Um, but episode nine ninety five I had Aaron from Timeline Earth on. And we read an article by a French gentleman, uh, Lorraine Gugno, and it's called Israel, the psychotic nation. And it's, it's a very bombastic title to get you to come in. But basically what he does is he looks at quotes by Jews and Jewish scholars, Jewish, I mean, influential. This isn't just like, he's picking random people off the street. He's picking scholars and, He's um, and a lot of these scholars you know the names of you've heard their names and listening to some of the quotes they say and it really is it's not only an MK Ultra experiment on each on themselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: it includes us too and just to give you one example I wrote I wrote privately in my Substack about this I didn't. I got to give my Substack uh, subscribers some private stuff. Um, But what Gugno writes in there is that when a Jew is attacked, every Jew is attacked. And you see that. I mean, if October 7 didn't make that clear, now, obviously, it's not every Jew. But you saw people who never claimed their Judaism before Dave Rubin, God's side, people you didn't even know were Jewish. It's like, wait a minute, that person's Jewish? Okay, wow. Come out of the woodwork or the tunnels to <laughs> just defend what was, and, and like they were attacked, talking about invoking the Holocaust, um, talking, talking about how it's their 9 11, talking about how it affects every Jew. Yet when you want to talk about somebody like if you want to mention Yagoda, Ye- who was the head, was basically basically the head of the Cheka in the Soviet Union. They prob- estimates are that he was responsible personally for the death of ten to twenty-two million people. Jew. That cannot reflect on them. If something bad happens, it happened to the group. If a Jew does something bad, they have to be judged as an individual. Mm. Very libertarian. <laughs> Judge everybody as an individual. <laughs> yeah. You know, I,
2: I, I just feel like, uh, and, and this is always where this conversation comes to, and it's so fucking stupid. Like, anyone who listens to this and is operating in good faith should on be able to listen to the word. Like, when we say Jew or this, we're not literally meaning every Jew, because we're speaking in generalities about groups, and there's no way to have this conversation without creating some sort of label to identify this group, and this is already, as we've mentioned multiple times, in a group that has been become so fucking vague of a term that you don't really know which Jew I'm talking about in that given given one. So you might have to take context clues for it. But yeah, no, obviously, yes, there are pl- there. Are mi- I- Many great individual Jews, but there, I, I I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we didn't say there was some sort of in-group preference going on, and that may in in fact affect their ideology and other people's ideology around them. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's just apparent at this point, and that doesn't mean every Jew acts in a monolith. Like it's just that's just silly, but they may be compelled to. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? well.
1: Yeah, they're definitely in reacting. Um, let me let me give it something positive. Okay, so um, at one time, pretty much every major chess champion in the world was Jewish. How did that happen? Well, my friend, academic agent, did a little research on that. At the time, you had to pay $10,000 in order to get into any tournament. And this is in the in the um, early to mid 19 nineteen hundreds, uh, most people couldn't afford that. And only Jews could.
2: <laughs> it was just um, a bunch of Rothschild's kids. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, so and then as soon as they took that away, the Nords started dominating. Asians started coming in. So also, um, but they will, you will hear Jews bring that up. Be like, look, look how smart we are. You know, it shows how a high our IQ is. Charles Murray was right. Also, um, Nobel Prize laureates. Now, Nobel Prize laureates is absolutely the worst one because that's not done. That Those don't fall out of the sky. There's a committee and committee members have preferences and they will vote for their own, that in-group preference. But the point I'm making with this is, and even someone like Sandy Koufax, great Brooklyn Dodgers pitcher, um, was a, was an observant Jew, wouldn't pitch on Saturday. And it's like, oh, look at, he's such a, you know, he's he, he, he's such a credit to, to us Jews. Well, why isn't Genric Yagoda get the same, why is he not a, how come, you, if I bring him up, why does he have to be judges? Why is his Judaism just not even on the table? When it comes to the fact that he killed at least ten, was responsible for the murder, uh, the murder or torture death of at least ten million people in the Soviet Union.
2: Mm.
1: It just, it's not, you know that that article by Gagnon is it's remarkable because it just go, it just shows how at one point, one person, one scholar said, if anti semitism disappeared in the world, so would Judaism what the f- what does that mean?
2: Israel's founded on that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it's literally like in the founding documents or something along those I forget the specifics you'd probably know better than I would. but yeah, notice well, I think you said yeah. I think
1: you said if there were no more anti-Semites in the world, I would stop being a Jew. What the fuck does, okay. what the fuck does that mean? I mean, (laughs) there was one – they quoted one Jewish newspaper writer talking about the – talking about Operation Cast Lead, which was in the 2000s, another attack on Palestine where they just just leveled the place. um, Terrible. And he said – he wrote about that attack, and he said, only a psychiatrist can tell you what is wrong with – what's going on in Israel. Yeah. I mean, it just – it's – I don't know, man, but I, I, I think it's interesting that you, that you said it's like they've been MK altered. It, yeah. it's something really, really odd and they can't say it's very rare that you're going to meet one that'll say, sorry, yeah. or I was wrong. It, it's just, I mean, obviously there are, but you know, and I, I do want to say this, you know, from reading more Jewish writers like Shahak and, um, this is a great book if people want to read it. The Jewish Century by Yuri Selskin. I mean, he's Jewish. And he's basically celebrating the century, celebrating the 20th century. That's where you find out he lists all the Jews that were part of the Bolsheviks and how overrepresented they were in there. And he's not hiding it. He's just basically reporting on what Judaism was in the 20th century. And this is a... National Jewish Book Awards winner the Jewish Book Council. I mean, it's not like they're... that he re, he showed that they were overrepresented in the Bolshevism by... a lot. A lot. They're not... It, it doesn't bother them. It, it bothers them if you bring it up. It bothers them... If, if they're bragging about it, it's fine. If you bring it up in a negative way and it's like, uh, I mean... How come all these people who were, like, how come how come Trotsky went across Russia in a train and, like, slaughtered whole towns? Why would he do that? I mean, he was Jewish. His, his real name was Bronstein. Why would a Jew do that? You can't judge him on his Judaism. But Sandy Koufax, Sandy Sandy Koufax is a credit to all of us. I, I mean, I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. It's really weird.
2: Yeah, God, I had some other thought on the MK Ultra. Uh, no, I know what it was. That that quote you brought up that that was revealing, especially when you when you switch it and, and change it, and I guess got it right. I'm assuming the second time around. Yeah. But I feel like that's revealing. That's and that plays that MK Ultra point that I was kind of getting at. It's almost like there's this within this group they they're given these fear myths, which to some degree or another may be truths behind you know what it, whichever specific one you're talking about. But they're ingrained to this idea of we're all at you know until there's you know as as long as the other the world is out there and we're here like we're in danger so we have to band up and, and but then the irony here is that that ends up manifesting its own creation <laughs> that's why I was kind of getting with a cyclical comment earlier is you do kind of see this play out with this group and it's almost like a it's almost like the business cycle the uh, the boom bust but with with like in you know, a different phenomena. You know, and, and it's, it's 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 like a psychological thing we're seeing, you know, a, on a group level, to where it just man, you know, fear takes over, then it the the fear manifests its own fe- the the thing it was afraid of, and then you know then use that to justify the further cycle of it. So, yeah, I don't know, there's something to that. Um, I'll,
1: I'll say this: I was at a I was at an event recently, um, and a libertarian who probably mostly anybody who's watching this listening to this will know will know them i'm not going to give their name because i don't have permission to but uh, they grew up in a jewish household and they told that they, they were very clear to me that they were told that if people found out that you're jewish people will want to kill you from the youngest age i mean he was at 12 years old, he was when it was getting ready time for a bar mitzvah. He was scared that his classmates would find out because he thought his classmates would kill him. When he found out that his mother invited his classmates, he's like, "What are you doing? These people want to kill me if they're gonna fi- if they find out." He's starts He's 12 years old. How do you raise somebody like that? How do you raise a kid like that? I mean, Owen Benjamin talks about the fact that, you know, his oldest doesn't even know what a lesbian is. He's like in due time, he's going to know, but I don't want him to know now. I think I forget how old he is. He's like, his oldest is seven or eight. So he doesn't need to know what that is. This kid it's seven and eight years old. He's being told that people want to kill him because he's Jewish. I mean, and then you're, you're like, why do they act so erotic? And and Owen, I think Owen did a really good job of, of saying that if you're brought up in a house where you're being told that everybody wants to kill you, but also you're a special boy and you're God's chosen, it's the ultimate recipe for creating narcissists
2: mm-hmm.
1: who are only going to care about themselves and because they think everyone's going to kill them and yet they're going to feel like anything that they have to do to get by is self-defense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, 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 victim it's, mentality. Really,
2: it's crazy, <laughs> it's, man. It's victim mentality with a, with a hero, with a you new know, hero of the story complex. <laughs> so it allows you to create this ingrained, you know, class theory in your head. If it's us against everyone else. And if they're against us, they're the bad guys, <laughs> since obviously they want to kill us. And, you know, that's yeah. just an assumption from the get go. Which, yeah, well, all right, Pete. This is—I think we've kind of hit, went through the the whole rigmarole. I know there's way more to cover. I mean, if you have any final closing thoughts on just in, in general, uh, you know, I guess maybe some closing statements. Of what you thought, think the pogroms were? I mean, I would assume you. Think obviously, you know there was, you know, we like, like we even said with the uh, ethnic cleansing of Palestine. Like, we're don't get me wrong. Like, I we probably fucking, I'm sure me and you would not agree with some of the stuff that happened to Jews, and that's not oh, the point of, course not. of this no. at all. No, so, it's I mean, hard. evil things happen in history, but the, then the idea that an entire culture will, cre- you know, incredibly vague culture will create a, you know, ingrained victim mentality around it, and you know, and. Try to fucking rule the world. (laughs) What's that gonna do? Well, I
1: I will. I want to say this is, you know, one of the main reasons why you know I do a lot of episodes where I talk about Jewish control and read things is because they control a lot. I mean, I mean, they brag about banking. We'll debank you if you're an anti-Semite. The press. I mean, just to give you an idea, okay. So how can how could these pogroms be? How could they lie about them? I know for a fact that th- that thousands and thousands of Jews were killed in 1905 in Odessa. How could they? They controlled the press back then. This is from Solzhenitsyn. Okay, I, ju- I just want to finish with this. He, he this is from Solzhenitsyn, and he's quoting the Saint Petersburg Gazette in 1903. Okay, let me just let me start off with a little preamble here. Over, overwhelmingly Jewish and liberal, the Russian press did little more did little more than concoct stories about the corrupt Prussian czar um, and the imminent collapse of Russia. He, so much of the nonsense from the Russian press then as now was immediately taken as true by the Western media. Unfortunately, the Western world knew almost nothing almost completely nothing about Russia at the time. At the time, I'll I'll tell you this because I know it, the only school that taught Russian in the whole country at that time was Harvard. So hence, they would believe anything, nothing has changed. On this topic, Solzhenitsyn writes concerning press coverage of the pogroms. I'll finish with this. This is is a report out of the St. Petersburg Gazette, 1903. In St. Saint, Saint Petersburg became frantic newspaper articles were read about the murders of women and infants and on numerous occasions, the rape of underage girls, wives raped in the presence of their husbands or parents. One Jew had his belly ripped open and insides came out. A Jewish woman had nails driven into her head through her nostrils. Within the same week, the Western papers reprinted these. They unconditionally believed the Russian press. Britain's leading Jews completely relied on these terrible articles and incorporated them into their protest slogans. They control the press.
2: The irony is all that shit that you just said was stuff they actually did in the so, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So, oh, that. And don't get me wrong; that happens in, in war, oh, yeah. especially you know back then. So, but the point being is, you know, you manufacture these terror stuff, but you know, then not above doing it themselves, and and while still the rallying cry being the whatever great evil was done to them last. It's like a, I mean, at the root of it, it's just a like that kind of you know barbaric mentality, is just like a childlike mentality of just like a cycle of violence going on and on and on and on. It, but I mean, hopefully, maybe I think we're kind of getting to point where people are. uh, I kind of joked with a buddy the other day, kind of like he was asking me about like how I would sum up the creation of Israel, and I'd be like, "Well, they wrote off the goodwill of the Arabs, burned that bridge while building up goodwill with Britain, burned that bridge while building up goodwill with us, and now here we are." So I don't know what the fuck happens next. Like, whose else's lap are they gonna? Would the would Israel jump into to protect them? Uh, yeah. I don't know. And and maybe people will start looking at these things a little bit more critically, uh, you know, and not just, oh, well, I guess you hate all Jews. I and mean, like, and yeah. even if you hated Judaism, it's like, for one, what do you mean when you say Jew? But like, even if you did, so what? Maybe you have good reason to. I don't have a great, great grasp of the Talmud, but uh, I don't know. I haven't been impressed by what I've seen. So. <laughs> I
1: mean, have you Have you seen that video, the video of the very young girl who, is bragging about all the things that Jews did. Harvey Milk helped with gay rights, and I mean, basically, she everything she mentions is like civilization destroying. <laughs> it is like destroys the destroyed the culture. Feminism, it's like, feminism. What did feminism do? Feminism took perfectly strong, beautiful women and turned them into inferior men. Well, what, What? why, why took them? I mean, they, women had the greatest role that that anyone could ever have to give birth, to nurture, and to make sure that the next generation, you're raising strong men and, you know, women who, women who are ready to perpetuate, perpetuate the next generation. And do it lovingly and it just destroyed that it destroyed i mean it, it i mean come on what woman became stronger what woman's life became better because of feminism it became better if you buy into some bullshit that you were fed that you need to be do everything that a man does well you can try and do everything that a man does but i mean Really, the only way that a lot a lot of women were able to do better than men, even in business, was because quotas were put in, and the, and the Equal Rights Amendment came in.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, all that is is a, that's just affirmative action for women.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong. You know, this when we're talking statistical norms, there's going to be deviations. So, yeah, sure, there's women out there that can do better jobs than men at some given thing, and vice versa. So, it's like, yeah. that's not the fucking point. The point is that to kind of create this mold that, oh, this is what you guys need. It's like, well, you got to kind of have not that bad of a gig going right now. Uh, But w- whatever, let's fucking, you know, two taxable incomes. Let, let's fucking go, I guess. Um, Pete, where can they find you? And uh, I hope to do this again soon. Yeah, <laughs> I do remind people I'm on Rumble. This one will not be going on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. And it will um, be used, clips will be used for my future cancellation.
1: <laughs> it, it's called The Pete Quinones Show. Um, I'm I went back on YouTube because they remonetized me for some reason. I don't know how the hell they managed to do that. Uh, but I am on Rumble, I'm on Odyssey, I'm on Shoot as well. Um and I also I have a substack, Pete Substack.com. I took the old Tom Woods uh, thing and bought my own uh, domain to link to it to make it easier than Petecanyonas.substack.com. Um and um yeah that's it. You find me on Twitter and um you know still putting putting tweets out there that you know I may mean or I may not mean some of them may be troll tweets, some of them may not be troll tweets. But really, it's watching the reaction to it. That's, you know, the which is fun for me. But, um, yes. yeah, I hope the show speaks for itself. And I think that the fact that I've really gotten into revisionist history and into reading whole books in multiple episodes and books that have just disappeared from, from, you know, mankind, um, have been memory hold, um, yeah, you know, I hope people enjoy it. I'm trying to educate people um, on maybe the things they did, maybe the things that libertarians when I was a libertarian that um, the books that I wish I had been told to read to read at the time mm-hmm. that would have helped me grow more. You know, in and this
2: era of Jew tunnels, it's probably some of the best stuff to to be reading up on. <laughs> Uh,
1: there there are a lot of great books out there about um a lot of good sober books on Jewish history. And um I mean one of the best things you can do, go to the Jewish virtual library and just use their search function. They will tell you that they assassinated a UN peacekeeper to you know, as things and killed civilians and things like that. They're, I mean, they're, they're human. They're human. They're, they're human. They, people put them up on, it's like this pedestal. It's like, I've never seen so many people take a bullet, want to take a bullet for a group. It's like they, I'll I'll say something, just quote something from a book that a Jew wrote. And Somebody will come in and just start arguing with me, and I'll be like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, this is your person, you know, you're one of you wrote this, and it's like, Oh, I'm not Jewish. What's wrong? What why are you why are you defending them? if I was like ragging on a Nigerian, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be taking a bullet for a Nigerian, probably. Yeah. The- yeah oh, it, why are you doing
2: is, that? Why it is bizarre, and it's it's always struck me as. Is- Maybe it's just my upbringing. Like maybe if I would lived in more of a like a New York City where they had like more like the civic Jew co- communities or whatever. But just my whole life, I never understood the the getting worked up about it because I'm like, who really like hates? I, I don't I've never like been in my life, looked at you and be like, ah, oh, fucking like ugh. like I just there's a dude with some weird curls like i don't know like it just like and and like i guess i understand if you get like on an intellectual level and you start understanding their but just as a normal person going through everyday life you're just like why why would i have a fucking issue with this dude just a dude i see in the supermarket with some weird curls so Mm -hmm. like at least i could always understand somewhat like race like different skin colors or or Mm -hmm. i guess radical differences in physiognomy and it's like okay like i guess i could see your tribal mind be like you're different but i just i don't feel like most people really have that with jews Maybe that's just me. I don't know. So it's like this disparate thing going on here.
1: Most of those Jews, most of those ones in the tunnels just want to be left alone like we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the ones that want to change the world. Quote unquote, change the world through feminism and getting gay marriage and all this. Those are the ones, those political, as um, E. Michael Jones says, it's the political Jews the ones that want to push you know, want to push um, immigration. Barbara Lerner Spector talking about how Jews have to make sure that Europe becomes multicultural. Europe will not survive if it just stays white. It has to become multicultural. And because we're going to be at the, she said this 13 years ago, 12 years ago, because Jews are going to be at the forefront of this, anti-semitism is going to be on the rise well i mean you're a really good prophet barbara you're a really good prophet
2: Mm -hmm. well i I think we do live in unique times i know i brought jew tunnels a few times but i i I find it so funny and it it just i I, it (laughs) dawned on me the other day the idea that it we have entered into the zeitgeist jew tunnels so it's like (laughs) Like, and I think there's a weirdly a moral to be taken out of that. Don't be afraid to touch third rails because that's kind of what makes them third rails in the first place and what gives them their power. And that's like what this whole discussion we had today that like discussion you're not supposed to have just, you know, just generally even just talking about this stuff. And yeah, you don't be afraid to touch third rails. Like it's already like basically in the zeitgeist now. Like, I mean, don't be an idiot. Like I don't know. Like the, the idea that you can't point out, like that's weird. Why not? <laughs>
1: like, yeah. like here we are. And uh, stay out of the tunnels, people.
2: Yes, but yep. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, this is a uh, like I said the the top. This is a no way Jose show YouTube. All the audio podcasters, Rumble, uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, all the good stuff. Follow me at Tower Gang Jose. And uh, yeah, I'll check. See you guys in the next episode. We're out.